Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. How? What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucksters? That's it. I'm Mark Marin. This is Mark Marin. This is Mark Marin. This is Mark Marin. This is Mark Marin. Oh, boy. It's radio class day. Hey, it's me, Mark. Thank you for listening to my show. Thank you so much. Can I just tell you a couple things quickly out of the gate? Uh, the show, IFC show Marin, my show that I'm involved with, kind of, on all levels, uh, premieres May 8th, 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock Central. Very excited about it. The Some of you have seen some of the, the trailers for the first episode. It's uh, it's a long time coming here. Obviously, some of you have been listening since we got through the shooting and everything else. And uh, I'm thrilled to see what people think about it. Uh, let me give you a couple other dates, though, for people that may want to see me because some people uh, enjoy that. I, on May 18th, I will be at the Wild West Comedy Festival doing a one-on-one, a live one-on-one with uh, Vince Vaughn. That that's From what I understand, that's happening. That's going to be... Uh, you can go to wildwestcomedyfestival.com or wtfpod.com for information on that on may 31st i'm returning to my hometown i'm returning to my hometown of albuquerque new mexico to do a benefit for the endorphin power company which is a a drug uh, halfway house kind of thing i'll be at the national hispanic cultural center i do not know who i'm bringing with me i ought to find somebody to bring with me but that should be a good deal a uh, good deal, a uh, good show. I have not been to Albuquerque in a long time. I don't really know uh, if I got peeps there. So that's May 31st. On on June 14th, I'll be at the 26th Annual Comedy Festival in Chicago, Illinois. That's a big show. And uh, June, June 26th through June 28th, I'll be doing a, a small show, a series of small shows at the Comedy Attic in Bloomington, Indiana, because we all love that room. So go to WTFPod.com, uh, go to the menu, hit calendar, and you can get uh, get what you need. Trippany House also. Oh, my God. I'll be at the Trippany House for my last noodling session, my last uh, wrestling and rambling session uh, tomorrow night. If you'd like to go to that, that's the Trippany House at the Steve Allen Theater. All right? Okay? Are we good? Good. Right now in my hand, I am holding. Um, I'm holding a book. Judy Greer is my guest today on the show. I love Judy Greer. Who doesn't? Some of you may not know who she is, and that's why she's written this, this uh, endearingly funny memoir called I Don't Know What You Know Me From. Confessions of a co-star, Judy Greer. You know her. She's been on Arrested Development. She was in The Descendants. She's charming and funny. I love her. You you love her. You do. You just You might not know who she is, but you love her. All right, look, okay, so what's going on? I was uh, just in Austin. I always enjoy Austin. And I, and I got a cop to something. I got a, I got a cop to being a, a bit of a prima donna. I, di- I mean, I wasn't, uh, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't do it in front of people. All right, I was a bit of a diva to myself. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm copping to it. I'm owning up to it. I'm uh, taking responsibility for my side of being a bit diva-ish, but not publicly. Publicly, I was just being a dick for a minute or two. Let me take you through what happens in my brain. Uh, you know, and I, 
this is on a decision that I made. Okay. I, I don't even I don't even know why I'm telling you guys this, but I'll I'll take you through it because um because it happened. All right, so I'm going to Austin to do the Moon Tower Comedy Festival. I love the festival. I've been doing it since they started. Uh, it's a great festival. It's a great festival for comics. Uh, they treat us very nicely. They put us up nicely. They have a nice situation where we can all see, hang out with each other at the bar in the hotel that I stayed at, which could use some more outlets. Could I just say that? Uh, Stephen K. Austin, Intercontinental. If you're Intercontinental, uh, I think people need may need to plug things in from all over the world. So if you could um, maybe take it upon yourselves to put a power strip or or even actual outlets. I mean, I've been to a lot of hotels in my life, and it's almost as if you were trying not to have outlets. The service was great. The coffee was great in the morning. Uh, the valet service was nice. It, the hotel is a nice place, but uh, some of us might need to recharge our phone. I, it sounds crazy, and sometimes we like to do it right next to the bed because we like to lay in bed and check our phone. And I'm not saying I have a problem with that. But sometimes you wake up, you want to check your phone. You might want to plug that in next to the bed, not in the bathroom or, or around the corner somewhere. Just to add a few outlets. I don't know what has to happen, but it seems like a modern hotel. A couple other outlets would be. See, now this is, is that diva behavior? I don't think that's diva behavior. I think that's practical business traveler behavior. All right. So I'm not, that's not my problem. My problem was uh, I took the gig. I was excited to do the festival. I took the midnight spot. Uh, the midnight spot on a Friday night. I got at the Paramount Theater, seats about 1,200 people. Now, as I got close to the gig, I started to think like, what did I do? Friday night, midnight, I got I got Andy Kindler and James Adomian opening for me. I'm probably not going to get on until 1240. These people have been at work all day. Some of them have, some of them have traveled to see me, perhaps. Uh, there were two shows before mine, one of them being The Kids in the Hall, the other being Mike Birbiglia. Uh, how are, what, what, what did I just do? How am I going to sell tickets? How are people like, I, I was starting to lose it. I'm like, I'm a fucking idiot. And then I started thinking like, was that the only spot they, that they wanted to give me? They gave, uh, they gave Dimitri a good spot. They gave Hannibal a nice spot at the same theater. They gave the kids in the hall. They gave Mike Borbiglia and Maria Bamford. Like, why am I the, why am I the guy who, who gets to go on in the middle of the night? Well, is it because I'm not cute? Is it because I'm not, if I'm not precious enough? Am I not like, so that's what my brain started doing. You know why? Because I'm fucking crazy. But it was sort of, I, I was starting to tweak out about whether or not, you know, people would come. And then, you know, the festival was like, it's great. You know, you're not competing with anything. Yeah, except for the desire to sleep and perhaps alcohol since six or seven in the evening for some people. Except for those things, instead of being excited to headline, I was the victim of some sort of conspiracy and no one was going to come to my show and everyone was going to be tired that came. I'd be lucky if they didn't fall asleep midway through the show. So I was cranky and I had committed to this mindset and it, it did nothing. And I was whining about it to specific people that, you know, that's like complaining about a blowjob. You know what I'm saying? And I love Austin. I have a great time every time I go to Texas. But I'm, I just get there and I've got it all, all in my head that like somehow or another I'm fucked because uh, I, I feel that coffee and perhaps sleeping bags might need to be provided for my performance and that I won't that I won't get any people in the room. So I'm in the middle of this sort of like, oh God, I'm fucked. How am I, it's midnight. What am I? Ugh. And I run into Bobcat Goldthwaite who's wandering around going, oh, I got to get out of here. I'm fucked. I got... So there's a, there's a great moment there when two cranky old men middle-aged men 
uh, meet each other and they're like, Ugh, I can't, I got to go on at midnight. He's like, yeah, I've been here for two days. I'm going nuts. And but so in that moment, that's when progress happens. I look at Bob and I go, let's get the fuck out of here, man. Let's drive to Opie's, man. Let's drive to get some barbecue. We'll go out to Opie's. We'll have a pile of meat and uh, we'll talk it through, man. We'll talk it out. We'll just like, you know, get level, dude. We're going to get level because I don't want to dump this anger. I know it's irrational. I know I'm blowing things out of proportion that I'm being a baby. Let's go. Let's get in the car. He's like, I'm in. And so we get in the car and we just start crunching the life numbers, man. Start talking about comedy. Start talking about age. Start talking about women. Start talking about, you know, what, you know, why are we feeling the way we feeling? You know, just sort of, it was one of those, it was not a WTF. It was just a couple of cranky middle-aged dudes in the car realizing that they should be nothing but grateful for the lives they have. That's what you get. Out of conversation with somebody else when you're not feeling well. Before you go out and ruin everyone else's day and make yourself look like a whiny asshole, lock in with somebody else, talk it out, get it into perspective, and have a pile of meat. That's how that works. We get to Opie's and they love me because I talk about them because I like to go there. See, the thing about, uh, about Austin is a lot of people... They're like, um, you go to Franklin's, you go to Franklin's, you go to Franklin's, you go to Franklin's barbecue. I Is the experience of eating barbecue supposed to be waiting online for three fucking hours? Fuck that. Look, in Austin, the meat's all pretty good. You can go get your meat wherever you want. And, and it, look, I know Franklin's is amazing. I've had a bite of it, but I'm not going to wait online for three hours. I'm going to get in a car and I'm going to drive for 40 minutes out into the state of Texas to the flat fucking hard land and I'm going to come upon like something that looks like a truck hanger, a giant truck garage. It says Opie's on it and I'm going to walk in and it's going to feel like I've earned that barbecue and I'm eating it at a place that has integrity and history. That's what I want. I want to travel. I want to talk to another middle-aged man about our bullshit problems. And, I, you know, I just got my cholesterol. I got my cholesterol down 60 from exercise and supplements and diet. So I figured, like, let's jack that shit back up again. I, I really had that moment. And I know that I don't know if it'll stick or not. But when I ordered the barbecue, as good as it was, when it was sitting in front of me, I was like, I think this is it for this. I think this is the last time. I'm actually getting these feelings about a lot of things in, in terms of my body. My body's like, I think we're, we've had enough of that for a lifetime. I think we I think we may have had enough coffee for a lifetime. I think I think the nicotine lozenges need to go. It's I know all I'm getting out of these lozenges is the only thing I'm relieving is the craving for nicotine. So, okay. Ate a pile of meat. And then right when I stood on that stage in that beautiful Paramount Theater with and it was empty, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be great no matter what." What the fuck is wrong with you, man? And then people started coming in and we got about seven, 800 people in there. It felt full and I was thrilled. Everyone seemed lively. Thank you for coming if you came. And I just want, I'm just telling you, the reason I copped to falling into the diva pit was I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that guy. And uh, I was incredibly uh, excited to be on stage and it was a great show. All right. Where are we at now? Are we ready? Are we ready for Judy Greer? Let's talk to her. 
I don't know why I have no problem with these headphones, but uh, but people who put them on, they're always like, uh, but does it feel good, right? I always general. Well, you I can pull that in. Pull the mic in. Um, oh, I uh, first yeah. of all, I always have to have the mic really close to my face, and second of all, I like the feeling the sensation of things pressing against my head what are you like temple grandin did she i never saw that she built this machine that they uh, that basically kind of hugged her but that's some that's an actual i know but she sort of discovered it for those people that have that oh really yeah because she had this like sensory yeah issue and i think she was the person that invented the squeezer i gotta see that yeah i well, only want it on my face though Oh, like your whole face or just your ears? Mostly my forehead. You like to have your forehead touched? I like to have it pushed on. Really? Do you push up against walls? No, I actually don't do that. I like a hand because it's like, because it covers the whole thing. Yeah. So It's comforting? It is. Yeah, because there's a lot of there's stuff going on right under there. I feel what? honestly like if someone puts their <laughs> hand on my forehead, it's like, it's like physically they're telling me in a physical way to just like slow down. Yeah. Do you go, stop it. Yeah. It, it actually works if you just do it yourself a little. Yeah. How's it going? It's going well. It is? Yeah. Are you are you shooting a movie? I'm shooting a TV show. Which one? For FX. It's called Married. No one's ever seen it yet because it's brand new. And it hasn't been on television yet? No, in July it'll be on TV. Is it your thing? No. Your, no, no, no. My thing failed. <laughs> My thing was such Which a thing? huge failure. I did a television pilot. Like, just a pilot? Yeah. But what was it called? It was called, well, that's an interesting question uh-huh. because it never got far enough to, to have, have a, name? a real name. <laughs> but this is like, is this something that eats at you? No. Didn't you have one, another big series you did, right? I had one called Misguided, but I was just an actor in it and that also failed. See, I'm sad now. I'm Don't be. No, because everything was leading up to this moment. This so. moment right here? Oh, is that how you frame it? Is it? Do you see? Uh-huh. <laughs> when, when did you start applying that unique approach to, hey, it's the process, man. You know uh, what I mean? I don't know. Be present. Life don't is good. Don't you have to? I don't know how actors do it. I don't know how the fuck well, you're you an do actor it. now. Nah, kind of. All right, I, mean, all right. I, don't, I don't know. Like, one audition can destroy me for weeks. Yeah. Just, not even the fact that whether I do well or I don't do well, just the fact that they were like, nah. So it's the weeks after, not the weeks leading up to it. No, it's it's just the, the idea that you're just another... Obviously, you're not. No, but you you're, are. I am. One pe- is. But people know you. But you're just trying to fill this weird thing. It's not necessarily... It doesn't have anything to do with you. No. They're, they're just sort of saying... They're basically saying, like, no, you... this The thing that you are is not what we picture for this. But that is exactly what comforts me, Yeah. actually. That, it's like the fact that it doesn't have anything to do with me is what... I like about it because that's what I can tell myself that yeah. it really literally had nothing to do with me. Do you know how many things you've been in? Not an exact number. It's fucking crazy. Like the last thing that I think I saw you in, now I'm looking. Was a Sprint commercial? Last night. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> was it, I didn't even register what the commercial was. I'm like, oh, she's coming over tomorrow. Oh, yeah, there she is. And it was right after Adam Scott did a commercial for sure. something. What was that, during Mad Men, maybe? Was he doing, oh, shit, was that on last night? Yeah. I have no idea what's happening in it. I stopped at Zooby Zooby Zoo because yeah. it was so good Yeah. Um, that I, I, but I need to get back on it. On Mad Men? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm totally going to get back on it. So have you done a lot of commercials, though? Do you feel okay no. about them? 
Yeah, I don't care about them. I don't, not in a bad way. Um, no, I haven't done a lot. It's weird because a lot of people start their careers with doing commercials and like, oh yeah, I did tons of commercials. Like my co-star on my TV show, Nat Facts, and he's like, oh, I've done so many commercials when I first started out. I'm like, I'm taking the opposite approach with my career. With You're now, ending with commercials. Now that I feel like I've made it, I'm going to start doing commercials. It doesn't seem like people have a problem with it. Do you have any, and is there any problem with it? I mean, you would I certainly do not have a problem with it. It's, was it a spring commercial? It was some yeah. Yeah, Sprint. I did an orange juice commercial no, also. There was some guy in like some guy shows up and you're talking yeah. to a guy with a beer. I thought yeah. it was for a food product of some kind. No? Mm, there was a- My I name is Gordon. Yeah, that's Sprint. Oh, that's Sprint? I talk about tacos in the Sprint commercial. Oh, uh, see, I didn't, it wasn't an effective commercial for me. But is it or isn't it? Because see, the whole idea. So these Sprint commercials are weird and they're supposed to be and they're like, t- they're- um, I suppose they're copied off of these really successful Japanese commercials uh-huh. or something that I don't remember. Right. And then um and where like Tommy Lee Jones is in them uh-huh. and like what like See, one he has of, to go to Japan to do commercials. I know. He won't so, do commercials here, will he? No, and he's really missing out because it's way easier to work in Pasadena <laughs> than Japan, first of all. So um, these are high yeah. concept sprint commercials. Apparently, they're not necessarily yeah. about sprint. Right. But they plant the seed. Right. I already have sprint. You do? I did a Sprint commercial. When? Many years ago. And so you kept it ever since? No, I had it before that. It was oh. the only reason I did the commercial. It was a freak thing. I did a comedy show in Austin, Texas, in the small room. There was like 12 people there. And the director of the commercial, they were looking for someone. They saw my picture in the paper, and they showed up. It was Barbara Copold, who was a pretty famous documentarian. And she goes, do you want to do this thing? And, and I'm like, I don't know. What is it for? And they're like, Sprint. I'm like, I have Sprint. Okay. All right. So I did one commercial. Whoa. For that. That's it? Yeah. That's the only commercial you've ever done. The only commercial I've ever done. I've ever tried to do. I've ever, I haven't tried to do it. It's good money though, right? Uh, yeah. So, all right. So you wrote a book. Yes, I totally did. I have this. Can I sit up straight? Will that ruin everything? Oh, no. Can I move my thing up? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> You're right. It's all fucked up now. <laughs> Swouch, please. I'm the only person to ever ruin. Oh, what the fuck? I'm going to sit up straight. I never do. You don't have to. I just have a thing. You feel better, right, when you sit up straight? I have a feeling that when I, because I just ate lunch, that when I slouch, that all my organs are smashed together, and then I can't get my, my food is going to get stuck in one of the. So it's not going to make its way down. Yeah. Okay. Well, I I don't want to interrupt your process. This is, this is part of what you need to do. This is what you wanted to hear. Post eating. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a little hung up on Detroit. Detroit's a a sort of a weird obsession of mine. Okay. And you kind of grew up in the area. Yeah. What was that like? It was awesome. It was? Yeah, it was awesome. I haven't been back in a really long time. I'm trying to think. My parents moved to Ohio. Wow. From Michigan to Ohio. Who does that? Who retires in Ohio? Which part of Ohio? The middle of it. I've been sort of down on Ohio. I've got to be chipper about Ohio. I had a good time well, I don't know. Ohio gets sort of a bad rap, and I and I sort of uh, piled on for no reason. Sure. But, uh, but there's some nice people in Ohio. I just was in Cleveland for the weekend, and I had some good food and good shows. So I had fun in Cleveland. My dad had open heart surgery at that the- That sounds like a blast. It was, my God, the funnest week um, <laughs> at the Cleveland Clinic. 
<laughs> it was real fun. Um, my dad is super healthy now. So once he came out of that operation and they were like, he's going to be great. Then my husband and I had like the best week there. Really? Yeah. We were, we went to uh, an Indians game. We got mm-hmm. great tickets. We saw an awesome band called Margo and the Nuclear So-and-Sos at uh-huh. the Grog Shop. We had oh yeah, really, Grog Shop. Yeah, that place is dope. We had such good meals. But see, I grew up hanging out in Cleveland because my grandma lived in Lynnhurst, which is a suburb of Cleveland uh-huh. when I was a kid. Did you ever eat at that corned beef place? Swyman's? I mean, I'm going to say yes, but I can't okay. honestly well, remember. Well, I'm it just seems trying, like I'm something. trying to connect with you. I feel like we're connecting. We I don't do. have to have eaten at the same time. Yeah, I'm, okay. I, I am. I'm, I'm a little, um, what do you call it? Uh, a little charmed. Ah, oh, thanks. You're, you're very charming. Thank you. Right? When I saw you walking up the street, I'm like, hey, there's that lady from the thing. There's the lady from the thing. From all the things. The girl from those things. From the descendants. Yes. I remember when I saw the first screening of that and when... In the scene when George Clooney interrupts me and he's like, okay, okay. Like everyone laughed really hard Mm -hmm. and it hurt my feelings the first time I saw it because I was like, fuck you guys, man. I'm fucking like, I'm really feeling something. I'm having like a real moment. And George is like, okay, okay. And I was like, ah! I'm like, (laughs) why? Double middle fingers. It's funny though. But now I think it is funny. But I, because the first time you see something, okay, I should say the first time I see something like that, I remember I go exactly where I was emotionally. You have, you can recall it? Yeah. So not forever, but you know, it's only like several months to a year later. So, so I went right there and that feeling and then being laughed at. Like really hurt my feelings, but now I'm glad. I'm glad that. Well, it's hard. I guess it's there. hard to know how something's going to be contextualized. I mean, you can read a script, and you know, it, yeah. You, you, I, I imagine you got to show up either way. You didn't know it was going to be funny, but obviously, no, and it was. that. But like, and that's the right choice. Yeah, because you can't. And um, and our editor Kevin Tent, he's the best, and you can't go from that feeling into George saying goodbye to his wife. Like you have to give people a break yeah. to give them a minute. Right, that's, so, and that's what makes him a good director. What was it like totally. working with that guy? Alexander yeah. is the best. I mean, Alexander Payne. Yeah, he's intense, with right? Why? He's really intense. Have you ever had him on? I no. Find he's intense and like really, he has this way of making you do exactly what he wants, but like it's your idea, oh. which. Like I, in, could, I could use that in relationships. Yeah. I don't know how to do that. That sounds like a good device. It's a good it's trick. It's a really good superpower to <laughs> <Yeah>. have. <laughs> how does he do that? I don't know. It's like, he's, I don't, it's like a, yeah, it's a secret. He just has this, I remember asking him that one scene in the hospital room because I was shooting some stuff and then I left. I just touched something. That's good. I, um, I was shooting that, I shot some stuff and then I left to go and work on another project. Right. And then I was going to come back and do the hospital scene and I said like, well, what do you want me to do for the hospital scene? I want to start thinking about it, start preparing. And he was like, just do what you did in your audition. And, and that was like, Okay. But that then, was the audition scene? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually used all my scenes for the audition. But then when I got there to actually do it, like, he wasn't joking. Like, I thought, you know, he's going to want something different, but he really did want that. And That's what got you the job. Yeah. But, like, usually you do a thing in the audition and then it changes because months pass or weeks pass and chemistry on set and what other people are doing and the story ends up maybe shifting the journeys different whatever but Uh no he really I feel like he goes into his movie knowing exactly what he wants from every single minute right right what was the movie where you were funny oh (laughs) (laughs) the 
one I was <laughs> funny in? The, it was a little part. In, uh, maybe I hope I'm right. Am I right? It's okay if you're not. But no, but it was one of those movies I saw on a plane. Yeah. Uh, the soccer coach guy. Was, oh, oh, yeah. What was that called? I don't remember. You were so funny. Thank you. Playing uh, th- for keeps. There's going to be a lot of me doing that. Yeah, oh, no. you were that, You were funny in that, as too. As long as it ends with you are funny, I'm happy. Playing for keeps or playing the field, I forget. Right. It was like a weird movie. Because they changed the name of it. And you played one of the women who was- Like the weepy neighbor- divorcee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. They were like, every time you cried, it's so funny. We need you to cry more. I was like, yeah. So Lynnhurst, your grandma lived there? Your mom's mom? My dad's mom. How many many people are there? How many siblings? Zero. You're an only child? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. The pressure. I I wrote a little essay about it in my book about being an only child. I don't know why it's such a big deal to be an only child. In my mind... And, and I, I've only talked to a couple of only children. And really? They, and they don't, they don't ever validate this. But I would think that there'd be extraordinary pressure to uh, not die. <laughs> 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 I don't know why I always think that, but it's sort of like, you're all we got. Like yeah. the, the idea that like, you're the, only, you're the only one we made. Yeah. Uh, I sure hope you don't die and you better succeed because we don't have enough, no fallback uh, sibling. I know. I never felt that. Yeah. Not that my parents adore me, but I always felt like they would have they would have easily managed without me as, as <laughs> I think, I think I might've in some ways been a, a box to check off. Like, uh-huh. okay, we have the careers, we have the child. Um, what were their careers? My dad was an engineer and my mom was a hospital administrator. How, how, what kind of engineer? He, uh, worked on axles for heavy trucks for Ford before Ford sold their heavy trucks to Freightliner, I believe. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he was, so he was an axle guy. Yeah. He was in charge of axles. So that that's so specific. It's so weird when people it's, say an engineer. I know. They're not, they're, you think like bridges? A civil yeah, engineer? No. Yeah, no. He, axles right. for heavy trucks. And he did work on brakes a little bit. Oh, and so I think also in the a brake man. He went, went, axles got and transferred. Brakes. Yeah. Yeah. Did, now, it, it seems like a very specific. No, let, let's talk more about the axles. I want to. <laughs> okay. Like, you're going to tell me now, like, he didn't love brakes. Like, he was really, <laughs> I mean, axles were his thing. It's what he was known for. He was really, he did invent something, but I don't know. I forgot what. It was for an axle yes, or a brake? it was oh. an axle. So he's known I for, believe. like. Uh, it's more of an axle. What's, yeah. your, what's your dad's name? He's more of an axle man. Uh-huh, yeah. What's his name? Uh, Richard Evans. Richard Evans did yes. the, uh, yeah, the Richard Evans axle <laughs> piece. Yeah. He totally should have named it after my mom. This gotta be- that would have been romantic. <laughs> the Molly Axel. And your mom was always, she wasn't always in hospital administration though, right? She was a nurse and yeah. then she kept getting promoted and then she was administrator. But wait, I looked at your book and yeah. it's a little more complicated than that. Oh, you want to go way back with her? Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's a good one. Because that's crazy, man. I know. I know that she was a serial killer. Not many people. I know. Oh, and some wait. few people get away with that. I'm surprised you put it in your book. because it, it seems like there's no statute of limitations. Well, on. I wasn't going to. But when I was writing that chapter, she called me and really pissed me off. So, and so. Fuck her. Yeah. Then. yeah sorry, sorry, mom. I know. I wasn't supposed to say you killed my friend. <laughs> um, yeah, she was a nun. She always says that my father is the only man she's ever loved. And I'm like, yeah, but you were kind of married to Jesus first. I mean, technically, he is your second husband. Uh And she's like, you stop it. Stop it right now, Judy. How'd you find out she was a nun, though? Did did you always know? I don't remember not knowing. But but like, how does somebody get, like, like, what happened? 
Uh, I mean, you know, uh, how does somebody become a nun or that and stop being a nun i know well, you, may, you only know so much about your mom but i mean what was that so she became a nun uh she said because she felt guilty because her older sister got pregnant when she was 16 yeah this could be tmi but whatever um that's the, that's the uh, the subheading of my show yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> so i um so she yeah so her older sister was 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 pregnant and yeah. my grandmother was brokenhearted very religious family by the way uh-huh. big catholic family in ohio uh-huh. and so my mom decided to join the convent because she thought that to make up for it yeah so wow. she went to the convent did her sister have the child yeah yeah my cousin that's what catholics do they do did, they, did your cousin turn out okay is everything all right uh i forget which cousin it is it's either tree i think it's mary Ann- no no, yeah, it's Karen. Karen's uh-huh. awesome. Oh, good. Karen's awesome, actually. Worked out. She's great. Good. Anyhow, um, she came to visit me when I was doing my play in New York City, and like that was so cool. Which play? I did a Broadway play called Dead Accounts. When was that? A year ago. Was that fun? Oh, so awesome. Do, are, was, what, are you used to the stage? Is that- Well, I trained in theater like for real theater so but i haven't done much of it since i moved out here because you know they don't they don't like it these hollywood types it doesn't make much money for them nope and there's not <laughs> i mean there is some theater here but i never go no who does i know it's not it's yeah. not vital unless it comes here from somewhere else and there's a famous person in it and then right. people like you know who are like competitive with new york will be like well did you go see the thing at the place mm-hmm. and you're like no like it's i didn't like a, a cultural was, responsibility yeah like yeah. you feel like you have to otherwise you can't complain about how there's no culture in la <laughs> all right so, so she like she to make up for her sister's yes. transgression yeah she joins she the convent does she joins the convent for high school she marries jesus she stays a nun for four years yeah. and then she gets kicked out Kicked out of the nunnery. She did because um, she said the mother superior felt she would better serve the Lord in a more secular environment. She's a troublemaker. She was a troublemaker. Yeah, what she Because she wasn't supposed to be a nun. It wasn't her calling. No. She said she never heard a calling, which did, of course she didn't. Because well, she just was trying to help her mom. It was yeah. a, It was a calling of codependency. Yeah. It? <laughs> it was the codependent call. Wait, you just like a lot of pieces just came together in my head for me right now. Like what? Like, yeah, that's totally where I get it. <laughs> what? Dawesville, USA, mayor of Judy Greer. Oh, my God. <laughs> you're, you're a big CODA person? I might be. Yeah? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's a it's a Catholic thing. It's a guilt thing. If, yeah. if you grow up with that stuff, you're like, oh, I just want to help this person who's unhelpable. Yeah. I'd like to get involved in this situation that I have no control over and try to manage it. But isn't it, like, also super, like, narcissistic to think that, like... Like you can actually help another person through a big problem. I I think so. It's not. It's it, it it's um it's you you don't know that when you're doing it because a lot of people it is self centered. I don't know if it's narcissistic, but okay. it is. But it's sort of like um they're they're presenting themselves as these these givers, but really they're doing it really for themselves, right? To like yeah. make yes, yeah. I to know control the situation or be the hero or yeah to the save rescuer. someone. Yeah, but it doesn't always work out that way. It never does. Well, when did you get married? Two-ish, two ish, um, two a little over two years ago. So it's new. Yeah. And how's that going? I'm into it. Yeah. I gotta say, I don't think I would like it if I didn't like my husband so much. Yeah. I can see how being married to the wrong person. Yeah, it's good to marry someone you like. Make you want to kill yourself. Sure. 
or make your life miserable. Yeah. But like I totally married the exact perfect person. So I love it. Good. Like I would recommend marrying Dean Johnson. I can't say I would recommend. I hear he's uh, off else. the market. Yes. No. Oh, so for now. Okay. Yeah. Well, you, you know, try and keep it together. Yeah, I'm going to. So were you brought up with this Catholicism business? Yeah, I was, but I thought it was kind of dumb. So I left. I I asked my parents after my first communion. I think I was around ten years old. If I could leave the Catholic Church, uh-huh. which um, was weird for my mom because she was like, "What do you mean?" Like I said, I just don't. I don't want to do my confirmation. I think these people are losers. I hate it so much. Yeah. And all my friends go to this other church and What they, kind of church was that? It was a Presbyterian church. I don't even know what the difference is. I know it's, Catholics sort of heavy. There's a lot of uh, ritual and- you Yeah. Know, but. And Presbyterian, I don't know. It felt at the time, I guess, well, I didn't know. It felt a little more like evangelical, a little more like closing your eyes and like raising your hands up. The Catholics or the, the Presbyterian? So you like the, the action of it? I just wanted to be in the choir because there was more cute boys there uh-huh. than in the Catholic, like in the catechism classes. Uh-huh. So I went with my friend and then I didn't have to actually go to church because I could be in the choir. Oh. So it was like that. So it was performance oriented. I guess and so. And boy oriented. Although my choir director told me I couldn't carry a tune if it was in a bucket. He said I was a terrible singer. Are you? Yes. You can't do it? No. He, I can do it sometimes like in a character I can sound like Ethel Merman a little bit uh-huh. but no I can't sing well at all so when okay so but this is when you're you're outside of Detroit did you get any sense of that was that city a fun city I'm, I'm fascinated with the fact that it's just like fallen away have you been I've only been outside of Detroit I've not been inside Detroit I've done some shows sort of where you grew up yeah I think which is where Livonia yeah, there's a there's a rock club I think called the something the music box or something like it's on that it's on that main drag that runs all the way you know into Detroit oh. all the way through. Okay, but uh, I didn't actually get into the no. city. Okay, because it seemed like where I was like there were still people with money and things were functioning. Maybe you were in Royal Oak. Yeah, maybe that was because where it was. Royal Oak is kind of like cool. At least when I was there, that was like the Silver Lake of Detroit. Okay, like in Royal Oak. But you never go back. Well, I would. I just don't ever have time to go. And if I go there, I kind of have to go see my parents, you know? Yeah. And then, like, I was going to go. There was a big music festival uh, last Labor Day at Meadowbrook. And then there was, and then the Tigers were playing at home. And Are I was you a like, baseball person? Adjacent. Mm-hmm. I like the Tigers. The husband likes baseball? He loves it. He fucking loves it, man. Like, if you can't <laughs> beat him, join him. Yeah. I don't even know what to do. Like, I've just been like, okay, so... So I'm excited about D. Gordon. He's yeah. my new favorite Dodger, I've decided. <laughs> last year I watched him, he went up, he went back down. He came up, he went back down. Then he hit a home run last week, so I'm like... So you can lock into one player at I, least. Yeah, that's kind of fun for me. But now, of course, who can you lock into in Los Angeles when you can't even watch a game? I don't know what you're talking about. Because only Time Warner shows the games now. Why don't you just go down the street? Well, I actually, the- I know. I have Time Warner, but my husband doesn't, and my stepson doesn't, and it's become a problem what you live in different places we have two different houses <laughs> Is this, are you telling me the truth yes we do spend the night together somewhere but we in don't a third location <laughs> <laughs> we have like a conjugal visit trailer between the two houses i'm kidding not i'm kidding about the trailer we so i have a house that i had when i met him mm-hmm. and then he has a house that he had when he met me mm-hmm so we didn't change that. 
setup. Okay, well, this seems unorthodox, <laughs> but interesting. So that seems like almost the perfect situation. Yeah, it works out pretty but, well. So, what do you, so do you sleep together every night? Yeah, I mean, like once in a while, it, more before we got married. Once we got married, I was like, I'm going to try to spend every night with him. Okay. Because we're married. Yeah. But like every every once in a blue moon, we won't spend the night together. Because? Because his house that he has is very far away and he has two children. So when he has his kids, the week that he has his kids and it's so super far away, if I have like a thing in LA or I have to get up really early. Do you live in another state? It feels like it. Uh-huh. It's it's in Ventura County. Okay. It's Thousand Oaks. Right, out in the valley. Yeah. And you live here in town. Yeah. And you're married and you live in separate houses. I now, mean, you know. No, I, I'm, I, I'm just... I don't want it to sound like we don't live together because we are together. We just haven't cohabitated. Ever. Right. And... So, but I really feel like this is going to solve the seven-year itch problem because... So you're looking ahead. When the seven-year itch happens, if that's really a thing, we will be moving in together for the first time because his son will then go away to college and then we can only we can just have one house together. Or, or someone will be moving someone else into the houses that you still own. Potentially. <laughs> <laughs> it could go either way, and yeah, either way, actually, it's going to be less aggravating. It's, it's like, true. It wow, the seven-year so itch is is really true. And, and, and this is John, now, and he yeah. just moved into and my he's house. He's going to be living here yeah, with yeah. me, and if, you can still come by if you want. <laughs> but I mean, do you keep your key? But so it 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 does have a lot to do with the kids, mm-hmm. and it it it, does it have, has a lot to do with the kids and the commute. And you get along with the kids. I love them. Okay. Yeah, they're totally awesome. But you, like... you, you, do you leave his house and then just go hang out at yours for the day? And... No, not if we have our kids for the week. Okay. I used to, like when we were first together, sometimes yeah. like I would ride into work with him and just like spend the day at my house. Uh-huh. But I don't really do it as much anymore Do you now. think it's going to come to a point where you're like, I don't need this house anymore? Um, No. <laughs> So I you really like, your like space. my little house. I yeah. do. I mean, you know, I'm an only child. I like having my space. And you, and this was an this was a discussion you had with him before. You're, we've wait. never we've I guess we've never we've always tried to figure out a way that it made sense for us to live in one house, and we kind of can't unless unless we lived in his house in Thousand Oaks, in which case we would have like a three hour commute every other week. When we didn't have his kids, when they were living at their mom's house, you know uh-huh. what I mean. But there was never the conversation of like, well, you must not. You this is like a backup plan. No. Oh, good. Okay. No, we never had that. Actually, that's funny because we <laughs> never. Yeah, it never came up that like you just don't want to get rid of your house because you don't know. Oh well, well that's good. In fact, most of the time I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I we have to just move to Thousand Oaks, and he'll be like, No, you can. You can do it. It's okay. Yeah, you can stay in your house. <laughs> Believe me, I, I want you to. <laughs> It's good for me. Hint, hint. <laughs> I need some space. Exactly. Uh, well, that's I. I like it. I like that it's unorthodox, and I like that you're okay with it. Yeah, it's working. I mean, I have a lot of crap in my car all the time, but it's working. Uh, yeah, there's always yeah. There's always yeah, the yeah. shoes. It looks like yeah, you're going camping or on a I trip. I mean, or... it's like you get. I mean, remember like my first few years having boyfriends, and like you like have a bag in your car all the time of like stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. 
And then you're like, yay, I own a house and I'm no, getting married. Yeah, I'm not going to end. Now I'm back to like yeah, the bag in my car. <laughs> I'm like, uh, yeah, don't rob me, by the way. There's uh-huh. like everything I care about it's usually think, in my car. I think we'll be okay during the day. Now okay. I'm nervous. Don't Should we be. go check your car? I don't want to. Okay. No, it's cool. It's All right. So, shirt. okay. So you're growing up in Detroit. Yeah, you're yeah, singing yeah. in the choir badly. You like boys. I your do. mother's no longer a nun. No. Your dad's working on axles. Yeah. You got no brothers or sisters. No. And uh, when. When do you decide, like, you know, you're a show person? Uh, there was many years of being a terrible ballet dancer in addition to being a terrible singer. That, so you're a bad ballet dancer, yeah. you're a bad singer, and yeah. you were awkward. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't cute. Terrible dancer, and and there was I'd a- I'd like to see you dance terribly. Yeah, that would be <laughs> hilarious. I'll send you some videos. <laughs> Um, there was a. You should be a terrible dancer in a series. I've just decided that. Like you, you know, just this per, really... uh, like a, a woman who has like decided that she's done with trying to, you know, uh, she's done with her work. Like she doesn't want to do what she was doing. Yeah. And, and she's going to recommit to to being a, a ballet dancer. Yeah. At, at your age, <laughs> even though she wasn't that great to begin with, but she's it's like, her passion. Yeah. I, I met I ran into some dancers at a pizza place in Hollywood and they were like you should come and take class with us and I was like it's never gonna happen they're like no I swear it's gonna be great like you'll I'm like no I'm so bad and like I took one ballet class when I moved to LA because I was like I used to dance I should do this for exercise and uh-huh. the teacher was awful and uh-huh. was like I, it was like it just was like it was like PTSD, like ballet PTSD. So I just could never. <laughs> but I remember being a kid, and I kind of knew I was sucky. And I remember people always would, you know, when you're a kid, people are like, "You can be anything you want to be. That's a you lie. can you can do anything you put your mind yeah, to." Yeah. And even as a small child, I was like, "Bullshit, man!" Yeah. Like. I can never be a ballet dancer. Like I'll never be a professional ballet dancer. Was your heart broken? No, it's it wasn't. A, isn't it so weird and so and so sort of like um, predictable that you know that little girls want to be ballet dancers and the yeah. actual possibility of having a career as a ballet dancer like, is so small. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's and like, like I don't understand why when I like people are like send their kids to dance class. I'm like send them to fucking like yoga class or like like breaking into car class or, like a mechanic <laughs> class. Like I don't I get like wanting your kids to have like some athletic. Yeah. But right. like I don't know, ballet fucks up your whole body, and no one is good at it. Did you? Was it your choice or your parents? I think it was a little of both because I had like tried a lot of other things that weren't really yeah. sticking. Like, like I'm what? not sporty. Yeah, I'm not musical. <laughs> so like soccer was bad. Uh, I signed up for hockey, but never actually went because uh-huh. it was very early in the morning. And then all the instruments terrible. I was uh-huh. terrible at them all. What'd you try? Piano and flute. Flute? Mm. It's portable. Yeah. Then you couldn't, um, you couldn't do it? It's terrible. <laughs> I was good at spitting the rice. They teach you how to play the flute yeah. by putting, they tell you to put like a piece of rice on your tongue and yeah. you like this. Yeah. And that's how you like breathe into your flute. Yeah. That was the only thing I was really Could you good make at. noise with the flute? Not really. So you couldn't even bass, you couldn't play I don't it. remember playing? ever playing a song, like an actual song on the flute. <laughs> so no. You, so you had to return the flute you rented. Flute went back. <laughs> piano got sold. I mean, I played piano for a long, like six years. Like that was my mom's obsession was that I was going to play the piano and I was going to be like awesome at the piano, but I was never going to be good at the piano. Oh. I was terrible at the piano. And it was just like, we would fight and fight and fight about it because I hated it so much. And I think like why 
why would you make me do something that I hate so much? Yeah. And it just makes you mad. Like you're setting both of us up to fail. Like you're mad at me. I'm hurt by you. Dad's upset because there's a lot of like bad energy in the house. Like it makes no sense. Like don't make me do and it there's anymore. There's piano being played badly on top of everything. Yeah, else. and then she would play it, and, and it she... would sound good, and then it would just it just breaks my heart. It breaks my heart that you don't practice. But and she I'm didn't like, rejoin Ugh. the convent over your inability to play piano. No, she did not. <laughs> she no, said it breaks your heart. It breaks her heart. Breaks her heart. Uh. Anyway, so then it was like, how about... That's a lot of pressure. Fucking ballet class. I don't know. Carol Smith is going to ballet class. Why don't I just go with her to Miss Bunny's school of dance? Miss Bunny. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was okay at it. And so then they made me go to like... Like, it wasn't necessarily my parents' fault, but it wasn't enough for me to be like, okay. Like, then it was like, well, we finally found this like thing that she can do. Yeah. So now she's got to be fucking awesome at it. So then I start going... Oh, so you going, had a lot of that pressure? Always? Yeah, then I had to go to Miss Milligan's School of Ballet, which was way more serious. And that's when I learned that I was really terrible at it. Anyway, this is a long answer to how I ended up acting. That's how I ended up acting, because I was like sort of already performing on stage. And there was acting classes. At, In a comedic way, apparently. I mean... <laughs> Like, it was not, it was so apparent that even like in the ballets that we would do, there was always like a comedic, dancey role that I would get. You would be the one? Yeah. But when did you first do the acting? What are you drinking? Is it iced tea? It's ice green tea. Oh, okay. Yeah. My barista today had those ear stretcher things on. With their circles? The yeah. discs? Yeah. And What's you, that? I don't know. It's a it's kind of a neo-primitive thing. I think it, like a lot of that stuff is just something they can play with for a while. Like it takes a while to kind of grow that hole and you know do that thing and it's a little ocd-ish and you know and then what then you're a guy with those things okay <laughs> that's that's the that's the big payoff that's oh the you payoff? got those things yeah your does hole that hurt is huge yeah yeah i'm hoping in a year my hole yeah, that, will be that big that's the conversation and it's really one of the only areas that you want to have that conversation <laughs> <laughs> it's true <laughs> You don't want to have the big old conversation no, about any other anything no. but an earlobe. That's right. Yeah. it's not. That's the only place it's good, and even that's arguable. I'm going to think about this on the drive home, and I'm going to agree with you still. But Bragging about you yeah, know, enlarging like... your hole? <laughs> <laughs> so when did you first do the acting business? Oh, that was high school. There was like an acting uh, program. Mm -hmm. There was an arts program, and they had like a little acting section. So I did that. And what were you, were you always, did you know that you had the comedic chops to be funny or were you more? No, I didn't know. I didn't, I just, nothing's been planned. I know, but you're very specifically funny and you're very memorable always Thank because you. of, of who you are, like, and you're uniquely who you are. Yeah. But you, I guess there's no way you could really know that in high school. So you were just no. doing the thing, the plays that you do in high school. Yeah. Like I did Walter Mitty uh -huh. and, um, I did. Uh, some musicals mm -hmm. as the chorus in yeah. the chorus the, match. The, out, the one who, you were the one in the chorus that yeah. was not carrying the tune? I got one role once where I had, I was Gladys in the pajama game oh. and I had a solo uh -huh. which gave me so much anxiety but the guy who I was dancing with, Jeff something, he was humming the tune into my ear so that I could sing it right. Really? But they could hear him <laughs> in the microphone. So you acted in high school and then where do you go to college? Uh, DePaul, theater school at DePaul University. Was there ever a point where you were like angry and brooding and drinking too much? Was there ever a point? 
today? What are you talking Not about? Not yet today. So you're just this is what you're this is your public persona? No, I just I mean I feel this way, but I think you can be like this and also be angry and dark and brooding. I you, mean, I like yeah. you were angry and dark and brooding in theater school. Yeah, oh, I was pretty great. angry and dark and brooding on Friday. Really, last Friday too. What happened? I just had a long fucking two weeks, man. Yeah, it was just like a long two weeks. Yeah, it was so close to being over. I was like the so, shoot. just like a lot of stuff, yeah. and and like. I was just stressed out, and I am like a baby who needs sleep. Yeah, and I just hadn't had a lot of sleep. Were you like lashing out? Were you doing that? Were you being I a just, diva? Did you diva? No, that? I. It's only it's like to my husband. Oh, like unfortunately, he gets. I and just, does like, he help you? I just go to a dark place. He does. Yeah. You let him help you. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, because I don't. You don't just go to your house. No, no, I totally could. That's what's so great about it. See, I don't have You're to. You're not helping me either. I'm going home. Uh-huh. Uber. Um, I... <laughs> not even going to drive my stuff home. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, if you can go to your own place, sometimes that's enough. Mm-hmm. It is. You I know? believe that. that. You don't have to. All right, so you're dark and you're smoking. You drink, yeah. You drinking? Yeah. Yeah. Getting you fucked mean, up in theater school. Oh yeah. Who yeah. isn't? I do, I don't did, I didn't go. But I, I mean I got a, fucked up in regular school. I think you have to get fucked up in college. Were, were you trying to do were you trying to be something? Yes. What? Here's the truth. Yeah. I Thank I God had, we finally get to it. I know. What time is it? Okay. <laughs> I have to go. Um the truth is I that I feel like I had a great childhood. I didn't have terrible, horrible things happen to me or anyone I knew. It was nice. It was middle class, fine, good, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And I think I went through a phase where I needed to be self-destructive in order to like find some art. Yeah, and also find out you know what you're made of. Maybe, yeah. Like, you know, I just, I couldn't just be like, hi, I'm Judy. It's nice to meet you. You know, like I wanted to be a little gritty, a little dirty. You want to like, if you're acting, you know, especially you're like, oh, like Anna, I want to find out like what it's like to go to the dark place or because I don't really know. Where'd you go? I don't know. There was a bar called Molly. No, that's here. What was the place we went <laughs> to? Went shoes. I was like, <laughs> shoes pub. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I still don't really know. Well, what were you doing? The stuff everyone does. Like, you know, you drink, you smoke cigarettes constantly, you like don't sleep, sabotage schoolwork, like don't Bad work. guys? Bad guys? I went through a bad guy phase, but that was more when I moved here. Yeah. More when I moved here was like the bad guy. What phase. kind of roles were you doing in college? What were you gravitating towards? Oh my god! Well, I played a nine-year-old boy with AIDS. I played a eunuch who was bald, but I refused to shave my head, so they just gave me a really weird blunt haircut. <sighs> um, I played Marilyn Monroe in a play. Um, I played. Oh god! I mean, I did a lot of plays. I played Helen of Troy in like a classroom production, mm-hmm. which probably was really terrible, but. Um, but you feel like you got pretty good training? Was it a four-year program? Yeah, it uh-huh. was. My parents were really excited that I was going to get a bachelor's degree. In, in anything. Right. Like, right. that was important to them. And I kept saying, but you guys don't understand, like, all I do is act. Yeah. Like, this will do nothing for me in the world, you so know? So you're, but you're like, trying to make them unproud? Yes. <laughs> they were like, this is great. You're going to get a bachelor's degree of fine arts. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, but, like, it's not going to make me able to do anything. Why were you doing, why were you arguing with them? Because I wanted them to know. 
That yeah. So you were rebelling. Uh, yeah. Like <laughs> I'm like I'll stay. My mom told me recently, and I have no recollection of this. That I said I was leaving school. I have no memory of this at all. That oh, really? I was going to leave acting school to and do like what? transfer. Uh huh. I don't know what. I don't know what I ever would have done. Do you? What? what maybe it was a, a crisis of confidence. It might have been. I mean, I got warned every year. Like they would warn me that I was going to get kicked out. Cause really? My school was this kind where you go and they cut your class in half after right. a year. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was like that. Yeah. Once you get to your third year, you're safe. Yeah. But then after first year and second year, I was always on warning that like you're going to be cut. Why? They'd be like, because they the thing they always said was my voice, which is. Maybe a little ironic that I um, I'm on a show called Archer where yeah. it's all about my voice. So, ha! Uh-huh. But they said it was my voice, my vocal quality, and my accent. Hmm. Being very Midwestern. Fuck you know. them. You know what? Yeah, because what was funny is that I did the changes I thought I needed to make to stay in school. Yeah. Because then it became like a competition, and I was like, "Oh no, fuck you! I'm not getting kicked out of the school." Right. But then, as soon as I got to LA, what everyone liked about me here, what I was, what was so welcoming, like the people loved my Midwesternness. Yeah. They loved like the Midwestern qualities that I had and my accent and and all that. Isn't stuff. that fucking amazing? Just be yourself. Yeah. That's and, and, all you have to do. And you had some, you know, you were confident in your ability to be on stage and, and do. Yeah. So, okay. So you and moved. I was confident in not doing well because like I kind of had already not done well. But what, what year did you come out here? 98, 97. So you started working right away? Yeah. How did that happen? How'd you get an agent? How'd you like, what was <clears> the transition? I got an agent in Chicago. I. Uh, Where, why were you in Chicago? Because that's where my school was. That's where that school is? Yeah. Okay. DePaul? Uh-huh. Okay. Did it, you do any Second City stuff or any of that stuff? No, I've never even been to Second okay. City. Isn't that so dumb? No, I haven't either. Like this whole... You haven't? Mm-mm. Okay. I just... I mean, some people now, you mentioned Chicago. They're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's the story in Chicago, but you didn't do any of that shit. None. I no mean, groundlings, even, no improv, no nothing. No. Straight up acting. Yeah. And you get a, you get an agent in Chicago. How'd that happen? They came to a showcase at the school or what? I was walking down the street. Um, <laughs> One of these stories? Really? <laughs> Classic? Uh, I was walking down the street in Chicago and I was wearing a very, very cool looking, well, cool at the time, uh, blue raincoat. And this lady was walking down the street on the other side of the street and she saw me and she ran across the street and she was like, short story, like basically like, you're cool looking. I'm an agent. I want to represent you. And I really? was like- that's good news because I'm about to graduate from acting school in a couple weeks and I'm totally going to need an agent. So that was it? Yeah. You had no idea what she was capable of or if she represented anybody well, or she was legitimate? Yes. You just said, great. Sign me up. But then she very quickly, soon after that, she left agenting to join, agenting to join the FBI and I started working with a different agent in Chicago. She was like going to be an FBI agent, which is not the kind of agent. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe that joke never occurred to me until right now. (laughs) So it turns out having an FBI agent isn't super helpful when you want to be an actor. So then I got another agent in Chicago because, like, once you get one, you can kind of right. in Chicago anyway. And but but how did that translate here? So I got some acting jobs in Chicago. I got a movie. My first ever acting job was called Kissing a Fool with David Schwimmer and Mealy Avital and Jason Lee and Doug Allen wrote it and directed it. 
And I flew myself here for the premiere of it. And when I came here, they casted it in Chicago. They casted like little parts in Chicago. For Was it shot local. in Chicago? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I flew here for the premiere, and while I, I and it was coincidentally during pilot season, so an agent uh, said she would hip pocket me while I was here. Okay. Um, Nancy Schmidt was her name, maybe probably still is, and she um, sent me on auditions, and then I got a pilot and a movie, so I never went back to Chicago. It's a terrible story. You can't even really. I should. It's bad to tell to people wanting to be an actor. Because people are like, yeah. how do I get an agent? And I'm like, I have no fucking clue. You have to clue. have blue raincoat. And, Turns yeah. out, and I have it if anyone wants to borrow it. <laughs> Good luck. So you get you had some lucky breaks. Yeah, and, and I did. And obviously you had the talent to to sort of follow through. Yeah. And and that's when it just started. It just started happening. Yeah. Because you've done like Jesus. I've worked a lot. Yeah, like I know. Well, I mean, that's well, the, the that's the title of your book. <laughs> I don't know what you know me from. <laughs> I know because <laughs> like it could be title. anything. It, it is really great, but like, be. but you were doing a lot of like you know bit parts. Yeah, and I still do, by the way. I know, but you, but you shine. That it's Thank great you. to have a bit part that really kind of you're able to work with. Yeah, but I don't know if they're bit parts; they may be supporting parts. But yeah, but you always there. You know, you're a go-to person for that comedic like. You're so loaded up with who you are. Yeah, I am loaded. You know what I'm I mean? Loaded with Judy. Like it, exactly. <laughs> so you're like they know exactly what they're getting. You know, we need to punctuate this with Judy. Yeah. Put, put Judy in. Or someone like her. Yeah. And then I'm like, I'll do it. I'll totally do it. But are you are you happy with your career? Yes. Yeah. You still got a lot to go. I know. I mean, who knows what's next? Or I, I mean, I've got stuff coming out. I'm so excited about. But like what? I, like, well, I mean, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Are you kidding? You're a big Planet of the Apes fan. I kind of am now. It's again, it's a little like the baseball. Like it started with husband, and and I did it for him, and now I'm like super into what it. What do you mean you did it for him? I did the movie for him because he loves more than anything Planet of the Apes. And he was like, oh, my God. After he saw Rise, he was like, oh, my God. What if you could be an ape in the next one? What if you could play an ape? And I was like, I'll play an ape. I don't fucking care. So I so called, you sought out the ape. I called my agent. I was like, when they're doing the sequel of this, can I be in it? And he was like, sure. And I can't remember if I told him at the time I wanted to be an ape, but he called and he was like, they are casting one role. There's like only one role left over to, to be cast, but it's is as an ape i'm like oh yes that's sorry yes that's what i want to be an ape (laughs) so he was like okay they're gonna pay you ten dollars i'm like great it's fine i'm doing it for my husband yeah so i had to audition for it so they like gave me a scene that i read as a human just to see that i could act oh my god and then and then the next day I had to drive out to the valley where the the apes were yeah. training. Yeah, this like parkour warehouse where these. So you had to learn how to walk and talk like an ape, or yeah. no, walk anyways, right? Well, I walked. I don't talk. Um, I I do vocalize here and there, you know, because I breathe and stuff. There's no talking. You're just an ape ape. I mean, there. You know, yes, I just ape. I just ape. So I had to do this audition for Terry Notary, who's like the ape guru, where for like two hours, I just like, I mean, literally like monkeyed around. <laughs> what, can you, like, what, like I learned how to sit up and stand down and walk. And, as an ape. 
run and I wore these like they're called quad arms. They're yeah. basically like half crutches that you hold on to and so you can walk on all fours and run on all fours and I did some improvs. He would like kind of guide me through these scenes. What kind of vocalizations do you have to do? Where you're like <laughs> like kind of AP yeah. breathing, you know, yeah. like <laughs> that kind of stuff. There's no no other noises? Uh I can't remember making I made some noises um, some some sad noises, some pain noises, hmm. but not really, yeah. Just a lot of the breathing. A lot of the breathing. Now, <laughs> how far has your husband gone with, is is he like a plushy guy? Like, is he? No. <laughs> well, I don't know. We haven't tried that yet. I mean, he we'll hasn't. We'll see. Like, who knows what's going to happen once you get in the ape costume? I mean, well, it's not. That's the thing. It's motion capture, so he'll never. There's no ape makeup anymore? Mm-mm. Oh, those days are gone? They are. God damn it. I know. It's a drag. Did you want to sit in makeup for nine hours? I, I didn't. Well, I didn't, but I would have done, of course. But I was, I was happy um, that I didn't have to. But then walking around in like my Velcro unitard with like the camera attached to my head and like the battery Grunting pack, and breathing. it was. I was like, maybe I wish I had the ape makeup on because yeah. I feel like it would have at least given me a little more confidence. Yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> you didn't know? have to be like embarrassed and ashamed to be. Yeah, which I only really was like my first day on set. I was so nervous because uh-huh. it's scary because like they'd already been shooting for so long and like all the other apes were so good and ta- like they were so so if you're in a room against a green screen and everyone's wearing, they were all wearing the Velcro. <laughs> yeah. Why Velcro? I just the, it, so that all the sensors. Oh, okay, can, okay. I kept calling them lasers, and like the Weta guys were like, "They're sensors, Judy." I'm like, Whatever. I don't know, <laughs> lasers. And then I stick to the Velcro. Oh, you're gonna be an ape. It's kind of awesome. I'm excited about that. I haven't seen anything yet. I really can't wait. Um, but okay, so wait, you've worked with. So many different directors. I know. It's crazy. You, I'm trying to remember who you were in Three Kings because I love that movie. Did you remember in the beginning of the movie when George is boning a girl? Yeah. That's me. Uh, oh, there she so is. So you and Clooney go back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. I, it was another one of my earlier jobs. And that was my that was my scene in that, and then yeah, we got to work together again on The Descendants, which and was and you awesome. worked with David O. Russell, who's yes. notoriously. Uh, intense. He is intense. I was very diplomatic in my word choice. Yes. I have not spoken to him um, since that movie and not on purpose. It's just the way it, I just haven't like. He hasn't called you in for anything. <laughs> no. <laughs> What's up with that? Yeah, right? <laughs> um, No, but I loved working with him on Three Kings. It and was, he worked with Spike on yeah, adaptation. adaptation. Yeah. He's a great guy. He is. I wish I could interview him, but he doesn't like to talk, apparently. Really? He's not a big talker about himself. Oh. You work with Cameron on Elizabethtown, but yeah. I, I don't know if anyone saw that movie. Um, I did. How was that? Well, I liked it, but I have like a... I, I, get, I feel really personal about my job sometimes, so yeah. I think I'm not the greatest person to ask. Um, I really liked... There was sort of two plot lines happening in that movie, uh-huh. and there was one plot line that I really, really loved. Uh-huh. And the other, I thought, was fine. 
Right. I, I mean, I got to watch it. I like Cameron Crowe. I, I yeah. want a small part in Almost Famous. Yeah. Yeah. And he's been sort of like for a while there, we were going back and forth and he was thinking about coming and doing the show. And then it's just, I have a hard time getting directors. I don't know why. Why? I don't know why. It's like out of everybody, they the most to talk about. They're, they're, yeah. Like I just interviewed the Reitman boys, Jason <gasps> and Ivan last oh, yeah, week. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I, I interviewed uh, Noah Baumbach. He's, Jason's great. I just did his last latest movie. Labor Day? Pale Blue Dot. Oh, the one that's in post? Yeah. Is it good? I think it's going to be amazing. But Arrested Development is something a lot of people know you from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's hilarious. Yeah. And you got to work with a lot of funny people. Oh, my God. And I, is that the one that most people are like, eh, Arrested Development? I think it is right now, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and being on that set makes me feel like so unfunny because they are all so funny all the time uh-huh that like i feel like i'm the most like boring basic bitch <laughs> i'm such a basic bitch on that set uh-huh but whatever there are some funny people there dude yeah like doing scenes i mean i can't like it's they're so funny who is the one you have the hardest time with Ugh. in terms of not losing your shit in the beginning will mm-hmm. i mean just also, because he was so, like, I hadn't met him or anything, and I, I just, it was like, he was new to me, and uh-huh. he was so fucking funny, and so, like, committed, mm-hmm. like, never, <laughs> so committed to the role of Job. Yeah. I don't, yeah. like, I don't even, but now when I go back and watch the episodes, like, I just die over Buster. Like, Tony is, like, now, and then watching him on Veep, like, I can't. He's so fucking funny. Yeah. It's amazing, right? Yes. And, and Dave Cross I is mean, hilarious. Dave, and then, like, Jason and his, like, deadpan staring. He's something, huh? Just, like, the way he stares at you. It's fun to be Kitty Sanchez around him because... Like, he just stares me down, and I can't... I laugh. I think I've been told I laugh during every take. (laughs) Like, editors have said, like, there wasn't one take that you didn't laugh during. But it's interesting, because, like, you do... I mean, you're just, like, a a hard-working actress. Yeah. I mean, you do episodic a lot. Mm -hmm. You show up everywhere. Yeah. You did... um, what was the Glenn Martin DDS? Oh, that was really good, actually. That was this, like, stop-motion claymation series I did for Nickelodeon that was so funny, and nobody really watched it. And we did, like, two or three seasons of it. But it was expensive because of the claymation. Yeah. But um, Michael Eisner, like, came up with this idea, and then the scripts were so good. Yeah. And And just, like too smart for kids right it should have been on like comedy central or something what was misguided Mm. that was the show that i did where i played a high school guidance counselor that got canceled like almost immediately but that was like that was sort of poised to be a big break that was going to be like my big break because i was the star of it i was number one on the call sheet and what year was that 17 years ago just kidding I don't, I don't know. What year was it? It was like five or six years ago. Well, what was the heartache after that? I mean, did was that a big... Uh, no, I mean... Really? I was bummed, but like, what are you going to do? Rant and rave? Fuck up the rest of your life? Yeah, no. No, man, back on the horse. That's uh, that's good attitude. <laughs> Is mean, that really your attitude always? 
I was heartbroken. But the thing is, you see it coming. Like, I've never blindsided by this shit. It's like they put it on. It premiered at like 1130 p.m. Like after Dancing with the Stars. Like, so it was, that was their idea. Let's see how many we can hold. Yeah, but it was like, really? Like, this is not that show. And and clearly they're not, they didn't do any advertising for it. Really didn't do any promoting of it. Like, once that shit starts to happen, once you see, like, oh, where they're putting their money. Yeah. You're like, oh. You're set up. I'm like, I, you know, it'll be fail. a mirror. Yes. Yeah. And there are those shows that every once in a while, like it kind of happened with The Office. I think The Office, the first season, they picked up like six episodes. Right. They didn't really do much with it. But like it hung on. Right. So you're like, maybe that'll happen. But really, like it's just not going to happen. Yeah. So that would be like a cheerful phone call to get. Not the phone call where you're like, I know this phone call. And yes, your heart's broken and you're like, why? But yeah. I mean, I go through that before the phone call because I'm not stupid uh-huh. and I know. Like, well, you, And I guess the benefit is, is that you do constantly work. Yeah, I have enough. But there's got to be some sort of idea that like, you know, if you nail... But even some of these animated things you do, I mean, they've run for years and they, you know, they, it's all making a living and it's all working the craft, but there must be that dream of like, you know, locking into a role that defines you, you know? Yeah. I mean, there is that dream, but that also can be problematic for like the rest of your career, you know, like when you, you Making the jump from movies to, hey, you're that lady that does that thing. And then like, oh, there's that lady that does that thing doing a different thing. That's not Oh, it's like. She's the girl from yeah. Like, and they're never really watching you do that character ever again. They're just like watching like the character that you're known for play a different character. I mean, with every like, you know, there's always like when Misguided got picked up, you're like immediately like excited. I was excited, but there's also like a fear of like it of that happening. I don't know. I can always sort of like manipulate my mind into seeing it as as a good thing. Right. That it maybe it got canceled. No, that's yeah, I think that's good. And or like then, what did I get out of it? I got great friends out of it, the experience of doing a TV show like that, like playing that role, like she was a really happy character and I was always really happy on set. So I was like I should just remember to be happy on set. I sound like Pollyanna, but it's true. As far as your acting um the craft itself, like I've asked actors this. Yeah, the craft, right. But I mean, is there one? I don't know. Because like, I, I think that either you sort of lock into you know, how, how you do it for yourself or you don't. Right. They're, like, I don't know what what can be taught and what just isn't. I mean, I guess I could probably make a decent argument for saying I learned technique in college when I was in acting school. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't tell you exactly right now what the technique was because right. I never really did it again. Right. Um, apparently, there's physical ways to make yourself cry, but I don't really know them. Yeah. And that that's technique, you know. How I mean, do, there is like... How do you cry? Do you cry relative to I what's happening pretty, in the moment? I cry pretty easily. Yeah. I try... The first thing I always try is what's really happening on the page. Right. And if that doesn't work for me... Then it's either kill a dog. I either kill a dog. Um, <laughs> I run over a bird, like uh-huh. eating something that I've left uh-huh. on the road. Um, no, I, I then go back to whatever. Sometimes uh-huh. it's scenes in movies that have made me cry, or commercials, or songs, yeah. or like if I have to, absolutely have to, like my own life. But yeah. 
that's never really predictable. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's less predictable. Like you might if, end up getting angry. Yeah, or like some days, it, exactly. You know, some days that thing that always used to make me cry doesn't. That dude. Yeah. Fuck him. Yeah. He yeah. doesn't deserve this performance. Yeah. I'm going to use someone else's performance to get my performance. So why'd you wait so long to get married? Because I didn't meet him until I met him. But didn't you have other relationships? Tell me about these bad guys. They never asked me, but I'm thrilled they didn't. But no, uh-huh. it was all leading up to this one guy. That's again. Yeah, I with think the... I knew that I wasn't supposed to marry anyone else. Yeah. In the back of did my mind. Did you have a long-term relationship? I did. Yeah, I had a couple. Yeah. But like with actors, yeah, one was with an actor, but he kind of transitioned into being a writer and uh-huh. director while we were together, um, and then yeah, and that was a good one. It was just long. Yeah, and th- your husband now is in show business, right? He is. He's a producer. He works for Real Time with Bill Maher. How long has he been with Bill? Mm, forever since Politically Incorrect. So all right, so what's coming out now? The book. The book is out, so everyone should buy it. What is how, what is this chapter? Ashton Kutcher gave my dad a Harley. Yeah. He did? Yeah. Why? I don't know. He did. He he <laughs> he, he asked me. Well, he was the producer of that TV show Misguided. Uh-huh. And he asked me about the last night, or one of the last nights we were shooting, he asked me what I would do if the show got picked up. And he, so I said, if the show gets picked up, I'm going to buy my dad a Harley Davidson motorcycle. And he was like, if the show gets picked up, I'll give your dad a Harley Davidson motorcycle. And I was like, okay, whatever. Uh-huh. And then it got picked up and we went to New York for the upfronts, this big party, you know? Yeah. And his assistant at the time, like, handed me this envelope and had a picture of a Harley in it and it said to pick up, call this number. Uh-huh. So I did before he changed his mind. I picked it up and had it shipped to Ohio and Your dad's got a Harley. Dad rolls around on a Harley now. Does he? Yeah. That's sweet. <laughs> it was his dream to have a Harley. Really? Yeah. And Aww. he had he didn't even have a motorcycle and he was like saving up to buy like a starter motorcycle. He was uh-huh. like gonna get like a Yamaha or something. Right. He had his eye on one that he was like, Well, I'm gonna do this for a little while and then if it works out then maybe I'll like save up and get a Harley if I like it. Yeah. But I was like And now he's got surprise. one. Does he wear some wet does he wear the leather jacket and everything? I don't know if he has a leather jacket. He must. And both your folks are still around? Oh, yeah. And they're happy with your success? Yes. They are very proud. Oh. Yeah. They're proud parents. Well, I think we covered it. Do you? I can't think of anything else. Do you want to cry? No. All right. I don't. Okay. No. But you could if you wanted to. I mean, I could. Okay. Yeah, but I'm good. All right. <laughs> Can Maybe you want me to cry? Can you? <laughs> That's good. Oh my gosh. Now I feel like I should comfort you. <laughs> All right, let's do it off mic. Thanks. Oh my God. What a sweetheart. And I don't even use that word ever. That's it. Thank you. Thank you, Judy, for being here. Thank you for listening. Go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF pod needs. I'll be at the Trippany House at the Steve Allen Theater tomorrow night. Go check the calendar, see where I'm at. Go uh, leave. I don't know if the comments are there anymore. I got to go check that stuff. Uh, I think they are. Maybe we just maybe we just threatened to take the comments away so you dicks and douchebags would stop posting and people who just enjoy posting would post. Dunno. Boomer lives. Boomer lives.